This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I want to share with you, continue on the leadership series, Leading from the Throne Room. Uh, tonight I'm going to speak about the voice of leadership. And uh, it's been, <clears throat> sort of over the last while I've been asking a few questions, specifically about the power of words, the power of words. Have you ever wondered why does it hurt so much when somebody speaks negative words to you? Have you ever wondered? Thought like, it's just words, you know, stick, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me. That is an absolute lie. Absolute lies, nonsense. There's something about words, and I was asking myself over the last like eight, nine years that we've been here in East London, there's been a few moments and other times as well, but I've, these moments where, where I would personally receive negative feedback or words spoken over me, and I'm like, why does this hurt so much? It's just words. It's just words. And I realize words are not just words, and I want to tonight, I actually want to just Bring this onto our radar. Because I, I must say, my mind has been blown over the last few weeks as I was wrestling with a few things myself and then going to the scriptures and just seeing, oh my goodness, we have no idea the power of words. Words can bring life and words can bring death. Words can heal people and words can destroy lives. It is so much more serious than I ever thought it is. You see, and I think also part of it is we, we live in a, in a, in a, with a democratic mindset. Now, in a democracy, anybody can say whatever they want to say whenever they want to say it. On Facebook, on Twitter, or wherever, whenever, you know, because it's democracy. You know, but originally in the kingdom, and in a kingdom, you know, you don't speak badly about the king, do you? Because it'd be just like you'd be a traitor and you'd head off. Cheers. So we have we have no idea what to do with a kingdom because of our upbringing. We we which it, it's it's foreign to us. And you know the Bible, the context of Scripture is kingdom with a king reigning from heaven above. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. So Jesus has all authority. He's in the throne room. There is the throne. Jesus, our God Almighty, he reigns from heaven above. All authority has been given unto him. And then he delegates. He delegates authority. He calls. He calls us. It's not just haphazardly, oh, by the way, you're now a leader. You know, no, he comes and he says, Andrew, I have called you. Come. Come, be a leader. I've not just called you to sit in your little chair there and look pretty. I've called you now to be on stage, and I've called you to, to lead worship, to lead my people into worship. Man hasn't called. It is God that has called. You know, and I think sometimes we forget that. I've been wrestling through it myself, and, you know, being the leader now of you know, when I look at that pamphlet and look at all those churches, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of churches. I'm responsible with a few other men. We are responsible for all of those churches. Now, that's quite challenging. 
And every now and again, I want to run away. It's like, ek is oor dit nou. You know, to lead a bunch of pastors is like, shit, it's like, it's like uh, herding cats. You know, it's just like, it's not working. <laughs> but every pastor wants to go his own way. I'm like, fine, just go your own way then. And then I'm reminded of the words that the Lord spoke to me about a year and a half, two years ago. The Lord spoke to me and he said to me, I've chosen you, now lead. That was before I was elected onto the apostolic team. And I, I, I was like, wow, God, so you're, you're fulfilling the word, but now I'm sitting with this and it's really, really tough. Leadership isn't for sissies. And the, and the standard is just so much higher. Every time I get confronted with challenges, I have to ask myself this question. Will I be like some of my leaders were who, who, who sometimes didn't do so well? Am I going to do the same? Am I also going to hurt people through the words I speak? Or will I be better? Will I be different? Will I bring healing to lives or will I destroy lives when, when I get offended? Or when I get, you know... I, I just realized the call to leadership, it's massive. And it's of God. It's a holy call and it's not for everybody, although every person can be a leader, but as you give the potential, but there's a journey that you need to go through. And James chapter 3 verse 1 speaks about that everybody shouldn't become teachers in the church because you will have a stricter judgment. A stricter judgment. In other words, the average believer can get away with a whole lot of stuff. I can't. Because God is saying, you are a leader, and I've called you to represent myself. You, you, not, you, you can't just do your own thing. This afternoon I was praying, and <clears throat> I just felt the Lord saying to me, uh, <laughs> it's not a popularity contest, leadership. It's not about pleasing people. It's about pleasing the one. And I believe that's my challenge as, a, as, as the Lord is transitioning us in, in, as a church from being a nice church to being a powerful church. Because that's what I believe God is saying. Because we're a nice church. We've got nice people like Andrew. <laughs> We've got nice people and, and we're known in, in our church for our relationships and being relational. But God is wanting us to, to transition from a nice church to a powerful church. And if we want to make that transition, we need to understand kingdom, not democracy. I haven't appointed myself. God has appointed. He spoke to me prophetically even when I was 18 years old. I received a prophetic word. I've called you into the youth ministry. That's where it started. I thought it was going to be at 40, which I am now. But it was much earlier, 23, 24. And, and I just know it's, it's, there's a call. There's a call. God chooses us for leadership. But there's a journey. You, you need to prepare yourself to qualify and to represent him well. You see, it's not about me doing my own thing. It's about me. When people encounter me, when, when, when people encounter you, they should experience more of Jesus. They should see Jesus. And if we're honest, a whole lot of the church misrepresents Christ. If we're honest. If I'm honest, even as, as leaders and pastors that I know, I'm like, no, dudes, um, you need to work on a few things. And then I'm looking in the mirror for myself and saying, Andre, you need to work on a few things. So I, I have this burden, and I want to share it with you tonight, the call to up our game. The call, I mean, just with Billy Graham, 
having passed away. Now you read the articles. He was blameless in 1950. He had a meeting with his group four or five leaders, and they decided how are they going to do ministry. And they said it will be with integrity. It will be with godliness. It will be with accountability. It will be with humility. It's amazing. It's the, the things that we're not excited about. That's actually the defining factors. Like humility, integrity, accountability. Those are the things that keep us going. And that is why that man, and he loved people so well because he wasn't obsessed with self. And if we're honest and you look at so many TV evangelists and you look at so many you know, men of God strutting around, you know, they're like, really, is it, is it, are you sure this is about Jesus? Are you sure it's not about the money? Are you sure it's not about your own ego? And I'm saying that with humility and with the fear of God and me because I'm speaking to myself. Is it, what is it about? So there's a high call to leadership. And I felt the Lord say to me early this year, it's time for the fear of God to return. It's time for the fear of God to return. And what that means is, is that we need to understand kingdom and a king and one day judgment. Maybe even in this life, judgment at times, redemptive judgment. But in the end, judgment. Every one of us will stand before God on judgment day and I will have to give an account for the words I spoke, for the lifestyle I lived, I'm gonna, God's going to ask me, Andre, how did, you, how did you love my people that I put under your authority for a season? And, and, and the fear of God is on me. Okay, so let's look at the fear of God. <clears throat> Psalm 34, we're looking at the voice of leadership, about the words we speak. It says, they come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? I mean, that's all of us. Eh? We want to see good. We, want to desire, we desire life. We want to love many days. I mean, we want to live a long life and a prosperous life. But then verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. But I want to, I want to focus on keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. So I asked the question, why do words hurt so much? Let me give you some context. What if I would uh, take this uh, rock? <laughs> How would you feel if I would come and I would throw this rock at you? That would be a bit of traumatic, eh, wouldn't it? Abusive? I'd feel abusive, wouldn't it? It's like if someone comes and they stone you. I want to say to you that that's what our words do, but not on the outside, but on the inside. It's like because words, words, although we can't see it, in the spirit realm, there's a, it, it's an entity that impacts. I mean, the centurion that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, my servant is sick at home. Just, just speak the word, Jesus, and he will be healed. And he spoke the word, and they were healed. You know, we had an epic uh, meeting now in Secunda, Last week, Sunday, awesome, awesome, awesome meeting. I think at least 20 people were physically healed. And, the, and, and, and people just came one by one, took, took the microphone and testified that Jesus healed them. And you know, some people say it was the best ministry weekend they've ever experienced in their lives. They, the people's lives were rocked. So many people came to, came to Christ, humbled themselves before God. You know, but some of those people were physically healed without anybody touching them. The one lady was sharing about arthritis, and the arthritis just disappeared off her body. She was healed. No one touched her. 
the power of words, because we're just saying, Lord, in Jesus' name, heal. In Jesus' name, heal. Now, if words can bring life and healing, then words can destroy. So words exist in the spirit realm, and when it's spoken to us, it's someone comes and like chucks these stones at you. So imagine, you know, if your, if your internal world was a house. <clears throat> you know, originally when you came to Christ, it was a dilapidated mess of a house. Garden was terrible, windows were broken down, doors were hanging, porch was a mess, walls were almost caving in. It was a mess. Jesus was walking past and he's thinking, man, I think this guy needs some help. And then he, he said, hey, can I come and help you? And you said, yes, please, I'm desperate, come and help. So Jesus came in, he started to sort out your house, now it's looking smart. It's like your identity is being established, you're discovering who you are, you, you're beginning to walk in the destiny that God has for your life. The devil isn't happy. Devil isn't happy. So you and your neighbor, two houses next to one another, and then there's this gangster, it's a demon. The demon that comes, crawls there through the bushes between the two houses, takes a rock, throws it through the window. You storm out and like, what? Neighbor? Guy ducks under the bushes and you think it's your neighbor. So you chuck a rock back and your neighbor storms out. Hey, what the heck are you doing? And then he chucks the rock back. And so you start damaging one another's houses or your internal identity. And it's just a mess. Absolute mess. And you wonder, man, it was just words, but it hurts so much. And you're still carrying it with you. And I believe that's the trick of the enemy, whether it be in a marriage, husband and wife chucking rocks at one another, or friends. Oh, yeah, oh, the married people know what I'm talking about. All the single people are like, yeah, marriage is so nice. <laughs> Until you get married and you're like, oh, it's tough. This is tough. <laughs> So, so, so you, the enemy tries and tricks us. And I want to highlight this to us as well tonight. I've seen good Christian people destroy one another. I've seen pastors of churches, good people, destroy one another because of the hurts and the wounds. And then the enemy tricks them. And then they start chucking rocks at one another. And it damages. And then they chuck back and they chuck back. And it's chaos. So I want to just make us aware of this, and I want to give us a bit of help, you know, um, in terms of how to manage the words we speak. Okay, so let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you just for the gravity of what we're talking about tonight. God, I pray that our eyes would open. I pray, Lord, that we would hear by the, by the Spirit of Christ. Lord, that you would equip us with the tools we need to truly know life and a good life and blessed relationships. So Holy Spirit, speak to us and show us the way in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in, it's not on the screen, but Psalm 29 verse 4, it speaks of the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. When, when God speaks, it, it is, it's powerful, it's majestic. Now look at James chapter 3. You can go, please go read at home the whole book of, or the whole chapter of James. So powerful. I was just reading through it. I'm like, come on. I didn't see this before. This is amazing. 
Let's look at this. James chapter 3, verse 5. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing. Would you agree? Small thing. But it makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Tiny spark. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Corrupting your entire body, and I believe corrupting others as well. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Whoa, strong words, eh? It is set on fire by hell itself. In other words, the words we speak either opens the way for heaven to come to earth or hell to be unleashed on earth. The words we speak, it's like a a gateway, an access point. You'd see later on, it also speaks in that chapter about with the same mouth, we bless God and we curse man. And he then says, brethren, this shouldn't be so. In other words, the words you and I speak, you know, you might not be a Satanist that curses people, but I tell you, you can curse people. Good Christian people can curse one another. Husband and wife can curse one another by climbing into one another's identities or character, accusing one another of, you are so-and-so, you know? So words are powerful. It is set on fire by hell itself. It's a whole world of wickedness, and it's it's like a tiny spark. So imagine this, your home or your office, the place you work, or the church, or any organization that you are involved in, it is like a forest. It's like a beautiful forest, but it's a dry forest. So it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable. You know, it's like if you're going into a dry area, it's relatively dry, you need to focus. You know, you can't just throw down a cigarette or something. It can really cause chaos. I want to say the same way our, our homes our organizations, our work environments is like a forest, a dry forest. And the smallest little sparks can cause absolute havoc. Who's, been in, who's ever been in an environment that is excessively negative? There's a lot of negative talking. How does it feel? It's terrible. Eh? It drains you. It just sucks the life out of you removes energy from you. It's terrible. And I believe that's how the enemy destroys lives and organizations, churches, life groups, families. It begins in the mouth. It begins by the words we speak unknowingly thinking, man, it's just words. I want to say to you, it's not just words. It's life or death, blessing or cursing, healing or destruction. And I feel that part of the fear of God is that we need to take stock again of what are the words that I am speaking? And what way am I speaking it? And what, are, what words have been spoken to me that has impacted my heart and life? Okay, so words impact, you can burn down the whole place through words. Who would have thought? Just words. So we need to ask this question. Which spirit is being kindled in our hearts and mouths, because the heart and the mouth are connected. The mouth speaks that which overflows from the heart. So, so what is coming out? And I want to give us this, uh, the gatekeepers of the tongue. Just very simple, three things that you and I need to ask ourselves. Very practical. Is it true? Is it kind? 
is it necessary? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? So the question about true. Now, every, if you're a good Christian here, you would probably believe or say, well, I speak the truth. And I want to say, yes, I think it's a very small percentage of people that blatantly would lie. But even us, good-meaning Christians, sometimes don't speak the truth. Why? Because our hearts got hurt. We got wounded. We felt maybe abused. We felt maybe we, we, were, we, were, we, we received a wound on the inside, and our hearts were, were cut, and some bitterness crept into the heart, and the, the heart influences our perception. And I've seen this with myself. A few times I've... Uh, I would say something in the past, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's coming out? There's something wrong here. Why am I so upset? Why am I so negative? Why are the words I speak laced with a bit of unnecessary anger and bitterness? And so it points me back. So it's almost a good way of testing yourself. Hey, what's coming out? In other words, how's your heart? How's your heart? And then to understand that when we get hurt, when we get wounded, I tell you, I, we've had a whole story with a bunch of pastors and working through things and people were hurt in the, in the process of things happening. It was crazy how distorted reality became because of the wounds of people's hearts. You know, and so we were even in our, in our apostolic leaders meeting now recently, Heinrich spoke to the guys around the table, and he said to them, guys, if you can't deal with your offenses, if you can't deal with the bitterness in your heart, step down, because you cannot be in leadership. You cannot be in a position of authority if your heart is full of stuff. Okay, so is it true? Because offenses distorts our perception. And so you need to ask yourself, in whatever environment, because in one area, you, you're completely fine. In another area, you have a distorted perception. Maybe you've been wounded by leadership or by bosses or by teachers or people in authority, and that can influence your perception about leaders. Okay, so the first question, is it true? Are you pushing it too far because of the pain that you have experienced? Often see this in relationships also, you get hurt and suddenly you just paint the other person. You demonize one another when it's actually just two good neighbors. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And you start chucking rocks. And then you're like, oh, it's a bad neighbor. But he's not bad. He's just, you're, just, you're both chucking one another with rocks. Okay, so I want to I beg you, I want to plead with you to when you have conflict, even with a, with a brother or sister in Christ or a friend, <clears throat> be mature. Be mature. There's a call. If you want to be a leader, if you want to impact the world for Christ, there's a higher call. And that means you need to get over your stuff. You need to get over your offenses. You need to not allow your perception to be distorted and not demonize the other person because of your own pain. Many, many people do this. Just go to the divorce court. The people who loved one another so much, it's the most bitter, aggressive, ugly court of all courts. Okay, so, so be aware of that. So the first question is true. Second one, is it kind? I want to say to you that we have no right to speak to someone if we don't care about them. Because that's the test. If you're angry, if you're offended, um, if, we are not, if we're just irritated with somebody, if we are angry with somebody, we're going to say things we're going to regret. 
So we need to ask this question, am, do I love this person? Do I care about this person? And if we don't, walk away. Go deal with your heart. Stop the bus. We need to believe that the other person is good-willed and therefore, you know, I've sat with situations with marriages, a couple that not finding one another and the, the one is just accusing the other one of being so horrible, so bad, so terrible. And then I'm like, and then I'm asking that the person then, um, so why do you want to be married to this person? <laughs> if all of this is true that you're saying. You're demonizing the person. You're saying they are so-and-so, so-and-so. Now, well, I wouldn't be mar- want to be married to somebody like that, so stop it. Stop demonizing. Give the benefit of the doubt. Say, hey, you're a good person, you're a good man, you're a good woman. We're missing one another. We're hurting one another here. Hold your horses. But for some reason, we, some, I think sometimes when we get hurt, we want to defend ourselves, and because we want to justify ourselves, we want to demonize the other person. Because then, yeah, they're evil. They're bad. You know? Does it make sense? This is very important. It's going to save your life one day. And the enemy wants to divide. God wants to unite. So be aware. Then the third question, is it necessary? Is it helpful? Is it helping someone or hurting someone? Even when it comes to like gossiping, you know, it's sometimes 80% was fine, but then there's that 20% that was unnecessary. Is it necessary? Is it helpful? Or is it just feeding the flesh? You know, churches in general is a breeding ground for gossip. Do you know why? Because we go to someone and say, hey, I'm just going to tell you because you need to pray about this. So you need to really pray for this person. But uh, so and have you heard so and so? They did this. You won't believe it. Yes. No. But please pray and don't tell anybody. And then they go to the next person. Hey, don't tell anybody. But uh, please pray with us for this thing. You know? And, and, and I have been guilty at times of oversharing. Oversharing. And that's why I have my wife, she's the Holy Spirit, and my wife. They are the conscience in my life. You know? Sometimes we overshare. Don't overshare. Don't share things that you should not be sharing. Keep it in the area where you should be keeping. Speak only to the people that you should be speaking about. Okay, so let's look at this. Um, verse 7. It says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. It's rough. Say poison. That needs to sink in. Poison. Full of deadly poison. So imagine giving, going around with poison in your hand like arsenic and giving it to a child. Hey, have some. Here's a sweetie for you, boy. I mean, who will do that? That's evil. Obviously. But I think the words we speak can have the same impact. A parent to a child, you know, when you speak that poison, you can destroy that child. You can destroy, destroy someone. A teacher at school, I still can remember what a teacher said to me when I was 17 years old. He, he, he became a bitter man himself. He was a great teacher when I was in grade 8, and he loved young people and was excited. Then he became like the, the head of the hostel, and he had to sit with the boys 24-7, and somehow that just made him angry. 
and, and as like a bitterness came into his heart, he wasn't the same man three years later. And I did something, probably something silly. And he just let it rip. Eh? That's not just like, not your behavior isn't good. It's you. You. I mean, he, he cussed me out and he climbed into my, into my identity. 20-something years later, I can still remember it. Words are like poison. So we need to watch our mouths. We need to watch what we speak. We need to be aware that it's, it's a, it's a, it could release life to people or it can destroy. It, is, it could be poison. So I want to like, highlight this again. When you are upset, when you are irritated, when you are offended, when you are angry, something shifts on the inside. We tap into another source, a fleshly source, I would say even a demonic source. And then we hurt. Okay, so you need to be aware of that shift that happens. And that's when, we, when there's conflict, when something isn't like a walk away. Walk away until you calm down. Walk away until you find yourself again. Walk away until you find your peace again. Bite your tongue, especially when you're angry, upset, or offended. Don't let it rip. Just don't do it. Okay, so, so we need to bring in a few measures to help us because it says that no man can tame the tongue the tongue is like a lion if you let it loose it will wound someone don't let it loose let it be under control of the holy spirit let it be under the control of the word of god it's like a lion the tongue is like a lion if you let it loose it will wound someone so we need to be accountable for the words we speak so you actually need to give accountability to the people around you so for instance, my wife keeps me accountable my elders keep me accountable, but I need to be willing to humble myself and say, hey guys, speak to me. When I'm overstepping a line, when I'm overstepping a boundary, keep me in check. I need it. I need it. You need the same. Are you giving people around you the authority to, to speak to you, to tell you, hey, no, that, that joke didn't fly. Eh? That wasn't godly. That wasn't, that wasn't kind. That wasn't of Christ. You need, to, you, need to, you need to check it. Okay, so that's one of the ways. Be accountable. Another way, be open to conviction by the Holy Spirit. It's happened to me a few times that I would have said something and then after it's like, Holy Spirit comes and knocks and says, hey, you overstepped the line there. That was too far. It was funny, but it wasn't, that wasn't, uh, wasn't of Christ. Okay, things like that. So then, and then when something comes out and you pick up something's not lacquer, it's like, it's like too much anger or something, like too much irritation, too much negativity, what's going on in your heart? You need to take it back to Jesus and say, hey, Something's not right. Negativity. Eh? The praises in hell is complaining and negativity. That's the praises in hell. Complaining, that, that's the source of hell. The source of the Holy Spirit is thanksgiving and celebration and faith and hope and love. That is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so evaluate yourself. Otherwise, you just... You defile your whole being. Negativity about your work environment, negativity about the country, negativity about government, negativity about the economy, negativity about whatever it might be. It's a trap. Don't fall for it. Okay, so look at this. Proverbs 18, verse 8, on the topic of gossip. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. So it's like a seed. You're carrying a gossip, it's like, a, it's like a, 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 a poisonous seed that you walk around with and you like, when, you, when it's spoken, it's planted in someone's heart. 
don't know if you've experienced this. Like, you were actually, you had no issue with somebody. Um, you actually think they're lovely, they're wonderful people. And then someone comes to you and they say to you, did you hear about the boss or about that person? Have you picked up that irritating little thing they do with their, with their nose? Have you picked that up? And then suddenly you're like, yeah, that irritates me too, you know? There's something silly, but it, it does influence you. So I was also recently, um, someone spoke to me, and I was like, I was really, really positive about this person or people, and, 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 and then the words were like negative, and suddenly I'm like, it's ringing through my head. These people are being accused in my heart and mind now because of the words that this person came to speak to me. And then I realized I need to renounce that seed. That is an ungodly seed. That is not the Spirit of Christ. You know? So be aware. Be aware of the words you speak. So I want to ask you this question. This is a little bit to get the fear of God in our midst. Would you say the same words if your phone was dialing that other person that you're speaking about at the moment you're chatting to someone else about them? How would you feel? Lord Jesus, help us now. Just imagine it. You're speaking to somebody and your phone dials them and they're like, hi. And then like, they hear you speaking about them to somebody else. Now that's a scary thought. I want to say to you, God hears and sees everything. So it's as good as if that person is there. I want to ask you this question. Would you speak badly about this church to somebody if I was there? Would you? You probably wouldn't. Would you speak those words if your boss was there? Would you if that person was there? Because we need to ask ourselves this question. Because, you know, as I said, gossip just goes. You know, we, just, we just think words are just words. We can just say it. I want to say to you, you can't just say it. It's poison. It is toxic. We need to evaluate the words we speak. I need to evaluate the words I speak. Because in, you know, in church world, we talk about people. We talk about people's problems. But I've seen pastors who talk like gossip about people's problems at any f- place and forum. And that's wrong. We as the people of God need to be able to have confidentiality around people's challenges and issues. Amen. We should be better. We should have more integrity than the people in the world. So I'm saying, I'm preaching to myself tonight, not just to you. I'm saying, Andre, you need to up your game because God sees and hears. Amen. Conviction hitting a little bit. It's getting quiet, so probably yes. So gatekeepers of the tongue. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Now, I quickly want to give us a strategy, and then I'm going to end off. A strategy for kingdom order. As I said, it's a kingdom. It's not a democracy. All authority comes from God. God appoints different leaders on, at diff- different levels. So, if, for instance, the life group leaders in our church... You know, it's easy to say, hey, I have respect for Andre, but man, I have no respect for my life group leader. Can I say to you, that is wrong, because they represent me. So you honor me by honoring the people that we have appointed as leaders in the church. 
And in the end, you honor God when you honor me. Because God has appointed me. Are you, are you seeing the, the flow there? That is kingdom order. Okay, so how does communication in the kingdom of God, in the army of God work like? Okay, I'll give you five points there. First of all, be thankful. Anybody can see a negative thing. Anybody can be in the flesh. Anybody can say, hey, that's not good, or that's not right, or that's wrong. There are thou- Yet there are a thousand things we could be thankful for. The Holy Spirit empowers us to see good. Anybody can see bad. Do you agree? So in your work environment, in your home environment, with your friends, trust God to see the good. That's what I'm always trusting. When I work with people, I'm like, God, what is the good? Where is the good? I'm not looking at the sins and the issues. And the, I'm like, God, who, how do you see this person? You want to ask that question. What can you be thankful for? Secondly, before you speak, say you see a legitimate challenge in your organization or with your spouse or with a friend or in the church, what is the process? You just go talk about it? No. You first pray. You take it to Jesus. This is what my wife does very well. She doesn't just talk to me. I talk much easier. I just go for it sometimes. But she has learned as well that she needs to first take something to God in prayer until it's the right time. Timing is critical. Because again, are you just wanting to be in the flesh? Are you just wanting to give it to somebody? Or you really want to be helpful? So you first need to pray before you speak. Timing is critical. And some things are only revealed to be prayed about, not to be spoken about. So you see something's wrong. You know, some of the prophetic movement of people, they major on seeing what is wrong with churches or people. Or I've seen another demon. Well, why not, why, why not see an angel once or twice too? You know, why not see something good? Why not see the redemptive work of God? Why not focus on what God is doing and the good that he's doing? Why not be thankful? And yes, God will reveal other things as well at times. And then you pray about it. Then thirdly, speak upward. In other words, don't speak to just the people on your own level. So say you're an employee at a company and now you have something really bugging you in the company. So now all the employee, the guy's like, yeah, all the secretaries. So the secretaries are known. For, for chichicha, they're talking. They know all the stories in the company. And, uh, and, and it's not healthy. It really isn't healthy. You need to speak upward. So you pray about it. When the Lord releases you to speak about it, then you speak upward. You go to one level up, a manager above, somebody above, and you share it with them. So you don't speak to your own people. Don't complain. Don't release poison into your environment. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Be part of the solution. You actually need to, when you pay, you're one of the, maybe you're one of the secretaries, and one of the others are coming like, have you heard? Then you're like, uh, no, I don't, I don't do this. I don't do this. You know? I don't talk like this. Let's rather, please go speak to that person yourself and sort it out. But I'm, I don't do this. So you, you actually need to guard the atmosphere in, in the organization. Then fourthly, speak with honor. So if you, let me give you an inside look into how leaders think and operate. They like it when people honor them and respect them and speak kindly. In other words, start with something good, pop something in the middle, maybe we need to work on this a little bit, and then end with something good. Because you need to know also how, how is the person wired that you're speaking to. It can be your spouse or a friend even. Start with something good. Hey, I really appreciate our friendship. 
I really value all these things in your, in, in your life. It is amazing. It's amazing what God is doing. I, I love this about you. I love that about you. You know, but I just want to speak to you about this one area that's been bugging me. I've really been praying about it. And, and I, re- I really feel I need to speak to you about it. And then you say, hey, maybe you need to look at this. And then you end off with some good stuff again. Okay. Doesn't make sense. Because otherwise it just becomes poison again. They say, in general, for every nine positive things, one negative cancels the nine. Something along those lines. So nine positive things, one negative thing, and the people forget the other nine good things. And you're like, but I was so positive. So, so, so be aware of that. Speak with honor. Package it well. And then, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Over the years, I don't know, it's just something the Lord did with me and Sonica. We have learned to honor authority. And over my years as, as, a, as a leader in church environments, I've had some really, really difficult pastors or leaders. But I've always, by God's grace, spoken with respect and with honor and humility. Sometimes, obviously, I had to work through my stuff and just sometimes be quiet because my heart's not right now. It's not in good space. But I know God could bless us because of the way we've honored. Because we, when, when I honor the leader, I'm actually honoring God. When I honor the president of this country, I'm honoring God. Kingdom. Kingdom. This is so, so critical. Our society is rife with rebellion and chaos. And we think it's cool. And we say it's, that's, that's being strong. You know, meekness, humility, submission, all of those things. Honor, it looks weak. It's not weak. It's not weak, I promise you. Okay, so I want to end up with these two verses. I want to mention them quickly. James 3 verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. You see it there? More strictly. Everybody wants to be a leader, but not everybody wants to up the game, up the standard, up your standard. Matthew 12, 36 to 37, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Hallelujah. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. The words... And so, so to give you some content, I have time to go into all of this. But every one of us, when you die, the day you breathe your last, an angel will be there and then lead you to heaven. Usher you to heaven. It's glorious. It's wonderful. But then you and I will stand before God on judgment day, even believers. And we will have to give an account for the way we lived, for the impact of our lives. For the good, we will be rewarded. For the not so good, we will suffer loss. That's what the Bible speaks about. So I want to paint you a picture. I had the idea from um, John Bevere in his book, Driven by Eternity. He uses this, illustra- or, um, um, this uh, way of illustrating. I've made my own illustrations, but I want to just play it out for you. So imagine yourself on Judgment Day coming before the throne of God. And then God speaks, and he says, son, come forward. It is time to give an account for your life and everything you said. Son, you gossiped about Susan. You exposed 
her past sins to others. Even though I forgave her, you didn't look at her through my forgiven eyes. She found out about it and poison entered her heart. She left my church, the community I chose for her, and she found herself in a spiritual wilderness all on her own. Her heart went cold towards me and she lost her way. You are responsible for her losing her salvation and not being with me in my kingdom. Scary thought. Let's continue. Son, you also destroyed the hardware store you worked at for those five years by the negativity you spread about the owner and managers. Morale became so low and divided the staff so much that it crushed the company. The store went under and the owner took his own life because of the depression he fell into. You are responsible for your words. He didn't know me, but if he lived another three years, he would have been led to me by, my, by one of my own, by my faithful servants. Son, what do you have to say for yourself? I called you to be thankful, to keep your eyes on me and share my good news with those around you, but you missed it. Let's continue. Son, you also destroyed 53 lives. Because of the church split you caused, you accused the leadership of false things which led to confusion, offenses, and anger among the congregants. Instead of humbling yourself, instead of being gracious and following the leaders I appointed over you, instead of forgiving them for their mistakes and human weakness, you caused great damage. These 53 people were greatly impacted by your words and actions. Bitterness entered their hearts and they turned away from me. You could have encouraged them to forgive and to let go, but you did not. They didn't fulfill their destinies, which would have led 18,788 people to me. Because of the pain you caused, because of your immaturity, these 18,788 people are not with me in heaven today. My heart breaks for these eternally lost souls, for the damage your words caused. Words have great impact. Son, you have lost a great deal of your eternal reward. You will be leased in the kingdom of heaven instead of a prince who rules with me. You did not follow my ways. You didn't guard your mouth and heart. You have barely made it into heaven. If you did not turn to me, if you did not turn away from your sinful ways in the last portion of your life, you would not have made it into my kingdom. Scary thoughts, huh? Scary thoughts. To stand there on that day and realize the destruction that your words have caused, that would be a sad day. You know, so I want to warn us. I want to help us to be aware that we will give an account for every idle word we speak. We will give an account for what's in our hearts. And if we are faithful, if we humble ourselves, if we choose to guard our mouths by asking this question, is it true, is it kind, is it necessary? If we guard our mouths and we release life, we will receive a reward in heaven. 
But I must say, just going through this myself, is like, this is such a wake-up call. Because uh, I'm evaluating my past. I'm seeing so many times. I've been involved with good Christian people, leaders, pastors. I'm talking about in our shofar church family. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're doing. You are dividing. You are destroying. You have no idea. So it's time for the fear of God to come into our lives. And also for us to become aware of what, what are the words that have been spoken to us that might have brought poison into our hearts where we need healing. Because I believe God wants to heal us tonight and restore us tonight. But I also feel the Lord wants us to take ownership of the words we've spoken and to go make right with those that we might have hurt. I mean, forgiveness in the end, they need to forgive. But we can make it easier for people to forgive by saying, hey, I'm sorry. I, I was upset. I was angry. I, shouldn't, I was flippant. I shouldn't have said it. I am really, really, truly sorry. Please forgive me. Because I believe that is maturity. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.